You are listening to the FDNY Pearl Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome, listeners, to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, FDNY Deputy Chief Michael Barvels. Thank you for tuning in to our Year in Review episode, where we revisit conversations from the latest season of our show. 2022 marks our seventh season, and we're proud of the contents of each episode of the FDNY Pro Podcast, starting with our first of the year, which tackled an important topic, lithium-ion battery safety and tactics. The increase in popularity of battery-operated mobility devices like scooters, skateboards, and e-bicycles has translated to a dramatic increase in fires in New York City caused by lithium-ion batteries with sometimes fatal consequences. Lieutenant John Cassidy of Hazmat One discussed the dangers of these batteries with host Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. You know, go on social media and, and search electric scooter fire and you'll have no shortage of videos. But somebody pulled one onto a, an elevator and it, it let go. And there was another person on there with him. Yes. In the email that was sent out to the companies, they have a couple of videos that are referenced. And they're very impressive when you see... I think they're a need, you need to see it take a look at those videos and see what happens when these things fail. Right. The things to take notice of, the, the volume of the gases that are coming out of these devices. And you could easily have an explosive event. They can burn. They can vent and fail and not have an ignition. But we've gone to events where cinder block walls have been cracked from the explosion. It's a bicycle. It's a bicycle with a battery, and we're cracking cinder block walls. Along with covering the hazards that these batteries present, Lieutenant Cassidy also shared tactics and procedures units can employ when responding to these types of fires, which as he described can be very challenging. To that end, members of the FDNY take very seriously their commitment to be healthy and well-conditioned to tackle any difficult task required of them to carry out the department's life-saving mission. In February, firefighter Cameron Peake of Rescue Company 2 joined us on the podcast for our annual ProFit episode to emphasize how team sports, like football, encourage healthy exercise and camaraderie. As the head coach of one of the department's largest athletic organizations, the FDNY Bravest football team, he articulated well how the tasks that firefighters, paramedics, and EMTs carry out demand teamwork. There can be no freelancing. It's a serious league. We've had people come down and like, oh, you know, I played in the touch tackle league or whatever. And they get on the field and they're like, whoa, they're kind of taken back at how, how serious this what's, is. Yeah, well, it is. And yeah. it's like, what's the average age? Like, I'm, I'm curious about some of your longest standing members and what positions, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, this, I think he was like, this member was about 45, I think, 46 when he stopped playing. And then we have, the, you know, the probies, the younger generation getting on the job where they're in their early 20s. So anywhere from like early 20s to, to mid 40s, probably the average age is like late 20s to early 30s, yeah. I would say. Well, yeah. it makes sense for the job yeah. also. Yeah, too. Yeah. I, I, when I stopped playing, I was like 32, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Your body tells you the day. Yeah, yeah. It kind of, you start slowing down, you get slower, you realize like, Well, yeah, that's I, it because we get, we have a new crop each right, year. Right. Yeah. That, and that's how it is. It's, that's it's, it's evolution. Yeah. Just like the job, yeah, yeah. you know, you, the, the member that came up on the team behind me, you know, I showed them the ways and then eventually they, they kind of took my job and that's, that's how it works. <laughs> you know, you get a step slower and it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. That's what it is. So like I said, anybody wants to come on down, don't, don't worry about fire, EMS, where you work. It doesn't matter. Like you're, you're a member of the FDNY. You come on down and yeah. make the team and you're better than a player in front of you, you're going to play. That's yeah, it. That's good. 
it must be a great time when you go away on these trips. When we go on the trips, they're definitely business trips. We want to go out there and, and, and win a football game first and then, you know, have fun second. But, yeah, the camaraderie is, is unmatched. We have a, a saying on the football team, it's the best firehouse on the job. Everything works hand-in-hand. Like, football is the ultimate team sport. It's 11 people on a field trying to accomplish one mission. Just like firefighting, you got the engine doing their job, stretching the line, putting water on the fire. You got the truck, the inside team doing searches, looking for life. The outside team making their move in off windows. Just like on an ambulance, you got a partner doing CPR. Everybody's got to be working in conjunction with one another to accomplish one goal. And that's why I love this job, the team. It's, it's the ultimate team sport. Firefighter Peak is the fifth coach since the team's founding in 1973. Another significant achievement was celebrated in our March episode honoring Women's History Month. With 20 years with the department, Deputy Chief Natalia Palunin rose through the ranks and was most notably the first woman to command FDNY's specialized HASTAC unit. Chief Palunin discussed her career, how she continually opts for new challenges and fosters growth in FDNY's newest EMS members, her approach echoing peak sentiments regarding teamwork. I think training is very important, and I like the idea of training of all parts because in rescue environments nobody's working by themselves so EMS is not going to go without the fire rescue and fire obviously needs EMS to treat the patients Mm -hmm. so when we are working together and we understand that we are a team and we understand the responsibilities of each individual within that team it builds trust. Trust was a critical component during one of the most daring roof rope rescues in FDNY history on May 14, 1991, FDNY firefighters conducted two technical roof rope rescues at the same fire in Midtown Manhattan, hanging 12 stories above the crowded New York City streets. The dramatic rescue was filmed live and later recreated for television. The save was one of the rescues featured in the FDNY pro film, The Last Resort. Retired FDNY Lieutenant Kevin Shea was involved in the 1991 roof rope rescue and also responded to and was injured at the first World Trade Center bombing in 1993. In our April episode of the FDNY Pro podcast, Shea recounted these iconic events from his old quarters, Rescue Company 1 in Manhattan, with special guest host and current commander of Rescue 1, Captain John Cirillo. So as soon as I hit, I'm not going to burn to death. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to run. So I'm bending my legs, getting ready to hit, and all of a sudden I can't hold anymore. It's like holding two pencils in your gloves. I start to fall, and uh, for a second I see that orange go right past me. So... What happened was I fell four and a half stories, not one story. Incredible. And the orange that we saw were car fires suspended at different levels in the rebar and busted concrete. So um, I fell, hit a piece of concrete on an angle, you know, like a ramp, and uh, broke my right ankle, broke my left knee, put a bar through my leg, fractured my skull, broke my nose, knocked some teeth out, and did some internal stuff. But it was the gear saved my life and the guy's like well that's nice that you think that maybe you're exaggerating or you think that's what happened like no brother i fractured my skull with my helmet on my old helmet never would have taken that ride down the hole when the would have been gone nah i would have busted my head like an eggshell then when i fell back i was pinned until i freed my leg but i thought you know because i busted my head i still think it's a transformer fire remember back in the day the kids had like different metallic rims and there was uh, car parts made out of different alloys that would burn. Sure. Well, something in one of these cars is burning on and off, white hot. I think the Transformers arcing. I still think, I don't know. Now I'm out of the game, but I didn't know. I had two cents of fire, but it's coming towards me. It's flowing towards me. And the cars were letting go of their gas tanks. I got some minor, you know, like 
second spot, a third degree burn on my back was nothing, and I crawled away from it. If I had had my old coat on, I would have been burned. I would have been burned badly. So in spite of myself, the right helmet and the right coat. And uh, without the helmet, I'd be dead. And when it, the wrong coat, I would have been burned badly, and I wasn't. So I survived because of the stronger bosses than me did the right thing and made me wear my stuff. Well, I didn't come on the job, but the, you came on. But when I came on, we weren't wearing bunker gear either. No. And so, I, you know, I did fight fires with, with that gear, yeah. as you're talking about. But what I've come to learn since getting bunker gears, I would never want to fight a fire now without it. The other thing I, I learned years ago was uh, a guy, Richie Smith, he was washing his coat years ago in 103 truck. And I go, why are you washing your coat? And he goes, well, when a clean coat protects you better yeah. in case of flashover. Yeah. I didn't need to hear it ever again. Yeah, I always yeah. kept my stuff relatively clean. Yeah. But incredible that you had the right gear on and that then you know it saved your yeah. life. So that's a, a great lesson for everyone to understand. Tell me, so now you're laying there. Did you give a mayday? Well, yeah, I uh, of course the only mayday I gave in my life, which nobody ever wants to do. And that's got to be the mayday from hell for poor Jack McAllister. Rescue on irons. I fell. I don't know where I am. Both my legs are broken and I got fire all around me coming towards me. Just as FDNY members rose to the challenges described by Lieutenant Shea, our guest in our next episode did the same. Each year during the month of May, we honor EMTs, paramedics, and the entire EMS workforce for their dedication, service, and sacrifice. The theme for National EMS Week this year was rising to the challenge. To that end, EMT Menhaz Buyan of Emergency Medical Dispatch described to host Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio his experience joining the department amidst the COVID-19 pandemic and a dramatic 911 call in which he displayed compassion and professionalism for the patient during an active shooter incident. Here's part of his interview. The first thing you hear is fear. Basically, you can hear the fear. You can hear the tears. You can hear, you can feel the emotion through the phone, which is a scary thought, but you know, you have to know at the end of the day to remain professional that you're trying to help them. Right. And you understand it's just the people are scared for their family because this is one of the worst times in their lives and that's what they're calling about. At the FDNY, the roof position can be both physically and mentally demanding. The assignments are largely autonomous, but can drastically improve operating conditions for other members and survivability for civilians, while failure can result in punishing, if not devastating, consequences for all. In our June episode of the FDNY Pro Podcast, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry spoke with Firefighter Philip Gordon of Ladder 176 about roof operations on the FDNY fireground. You don't get to have the luxury of having a, a layer of supervision with you. You're not working with anybody immediately like that inside team. So if, if second dues delayed, you may be up there by yourself making decisions and communications alone. So before you can actually start the operations, the focal point has to be making the position. And so like anything else, there's going to be options. It's a dynamic fire scene. So it's good to be focused on where you got to go, but you also have to be flexible and adaptive. As explained in our summer episodes, which feature FDNY medal recipients, position-based training and tactics result in unit cohesion that lends to operational successes. On July 30th, 2021, rescue paramedics Hugh Smith and Shawane George were presented with a challenge that would test their many years of training and experience. The rescue medics arrived on scene of a building collapse to find FDNY special operations units operating to rescue two trapped victims. Together with Lieutenant Paul Artizone, they work to assess, stabilize, and treat the two pinned workers. For their efforts at this operation, they were awarded the Christopher J. Prescott Medal this past June. The three members discussed this arduous assignment, their rescue medic training, and attending medal day with host chief of staff Elizabeth Cassio. Just 
Being a paramedic is hard. Just being an EMT, being a first responder is hard. It's a commitment. As we all know, we're all first responders here is a commitment. It's a life commitment. You give up a lot, you sacrifice a lot. We just spoke about people's parents and their kids and their wives. It's a lot of time away. Holidays, birthdays, special events. And then the farther you go, you know, paramedic, rescue paramedic, hashtag paramedic, the commitment gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the hours get bigger. There's often times where you're like, wow, I put so much of my life into this. And then so you get something like this that happens and then you get an honor like this and then it's a, re it's a reminder of why mm. you put so much time into it. We don't do it for the medals. It's not like, oh, finally, I, I got a medal. This is what I was striving for. But it, it's, it's one of those things where it wasn't the medal, it was the job and it was the training and it was all the hours and the effort and, and the hard work put into it that gets honored. Right. So that's what makes uh, receiving a medal like this so special. Early winter 2021, Ladder Company 41 arrived first on scene to fire and smoke pushing out of the windows of a seven-story fireproof multiple dwelling in the Bronx. Lieutenant Patrick Toomey, Firefighter Rob Rivera, and Firefighter James Sutar talked about this challenging operation in our August episode, which involved scaffolding surrounding the building and an aggressive lithium-ion battery fire blocking the entry to the fire apartment, but resulting in multiple rescues. On Medal Day, the three received individual medals, and the entire company received the World Trade Center Memorial Medal for their efforts. Yeah, I gained control of the door, and it was going pretty good in there. There was a couple rooms heavily involved, but right around that time, I, I heard someone screaming in a back bedroom. I thought it was a back bedroom. Mm -hmm. So I said, we got to make a push. There's someone back there. I told Rob, use the can, cool the ceiling best you can, and we started to make a search. The World Trade Center Memorial Medal bears a distinct honor, as does our guest in our September episode. As the attacks on the World Trade Center were carried out, most people viewed the collapses from the outside in. However, on September 11, 2001, then-Captain John J. Jonas and five of his firefighters from Ladder Company 6 were descending stairwell B with injured civilian Josephine Harris when the North Tower violently collapsed around them. The collapse of the 110-story building took a total of 13 seconds and came down in a pancake fashion, producing tremendous debris and strong air movement that lifted the firefighters and Harris and threw them about the staircase. Chief Jonas, who went on to serve the department for another 21 years before retiring in July of 2022, recounted their miraculous survival with Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. We got to the fourth floor and Josephine Harris falls to the floor. So I broke into the fourth floor looking for a sturdy chair. We could do a stair, a chair carry with her down the stairs. Fourth floor was not a, an office floor. It was a mechanical equipment room floor. So the only chairs that were there was a swivel chair and a uh, overstuffed chair. And I'm way on the other side of the building looking for anything. And something just told me, says, you know what? This isn't working out. You're going to have to carry her down the stairs. So I start running back to the B stairway of the North Tower, and I got a couple feet away from the door, and it starts. The collapse of the North Tower with us still inside. The noise, the wind, what was first? The first thing we noticed was the rumble. We heard the rumble that we heard when the South Tower collapsed, but then it collapsed in pancake fashion. And every time a floor would hit another floor, it made a loud noise, boom, 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 boom. And it created tremendous vibration in the stairways. The vibration was violent enough that we were bouncing up and down off the uh, floor and the stairway. Matt Komorowski, my tillerman, was waiting for me on the landing and uh, the collapse created a strong wind because all the air that was in the building was being compressed. And it picked Matt up and threw him down two flights of stairs. I just dove for the floor and I just covered up and 
waiting for what seemed to be the inevitable. Another milestone anniversary was marked following that of 9-11 this year, the 25th anniversary of the untimely death of FDNY EMT Tracy Allen Lee, who was the first EMT to contract HIV on duty in the city and in the country. Allen Lee dedicated her life to caring for others, but spent the years leading up to her death fighting for the benefits for an illness obtained while in the line of duty. It wasn't until a year after her death that she received the line of duty designation and the New York State law granted line of duty benefits to any EMT and paramedic who contracts HIV while on the job. This year, the department honored her service and sacrifice in a memorial ceremony at Station 10 in Manhattan. In our November episode, family, friends, and leaders of the FDNY gathered at the station where she worked to memorialize Alan Lee and celebrate her legacy. All contributed to a poignant and emotional telling of her story. Chief of EMS Lillian Bonsignor proclaimed, Tracy is remembered for her unwavering bravery, empathy, and commitment to the communities that she served. She inspired her partners and others around her to be better, kinder, and supportive. She consistently provided comfort, care, and compassion to those most in need. Tracy was taken from us way too soon. However, she is still with us today, remembered as both a legacy and an angel. We shall never forget her touching parting message to her EMS family. And I quote, you make a difference every day. Saving lives is so important and I want each of you to promise to stay safe and careful. Forever mindful of your sacrifice, Tracy, we promise to continue making a difference. We promise to continue saving lives. We promise to remain careful and safe. We are humbled and thankful and still grieve your absence. Your memory and the precedence you set affords us protections. We are forever indebted to you and your family. With peace in our hearts and a promise in our minds, we shall always honor, appreciate, thank, and celebrate the impact of Tracy Allen Lee. Rounding out our podcast this year, we return to discussing firefighter tactics in our November episode. The heavy demand on electrical usage in high-rise buildings warrants the need for high-voltage equipment. That is why it's so important to understand the dangers of this equipment and how units can safely operate at fires involving transformer vault rooms. In this episode, Battalion Chief Anthony Pascacello returned to the podcast to provide listeners with a working knowledge of these types of fires and operational considerations with Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. It's not as simple as just throwing a switch and turning off the power. You have a lot of things that you have to take into consideration, and it's kind of a teamwork situation. You'll need the building engineer, you'll need the Con Edison representative, and you'll need, obviously, our input. As we close out our seventh season of the FDNY Pro Podcast, it's important to acknowledge all that make it possible, starting with the FDNY Foundation, the official philanthropic organization of the department. A special thank you to the FDNY Digital and Media Unit, led by Joe Malvasio. Thank you to our producers and editors, Kristen Eng, Nick Gus, and Patty Murphy, without whom these monthly episodes would not be possible. Pride and professionalism are ever-present in FDNY training and operations, and therefore reflected in the stories and lessons shared here on this podcast. We want to acknowledge all the members who contributed to the podcast this season and reaffirm our commitment to offer resources to our peers in public safety and help save lives. I'm Deputy Chief Mike Barbells. On behalf of our hosts, Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry, and Captain John Cirillo, thank you for listening. 
For more training and information from our department subject matter experts, visit FDNYPro.org. FDNY Pro is online at FDNYPro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest.